to uh, the fourth episode of Be Me to Sick Bay. I'm your host, Mira, and to my virtual left and right, I have Hayes. Hello, hello. And Nick Freeze. Hi. Uh, today we're going to be talking about episodes seven and eight, Lonely Among Us, which is uh, when Picard gets a little sus. He's acting a little sussy. And, actually uh, the title that can't be the title it's the title is lonely among us no um, it isn't no way yeah it's that's picard what it's called. sus that's what it oh is oh my god i and saw that in also, your notes i thought you were just goofing around no that's what this episode's called do you not no, look at that i went i went out of this <laughs> warned you i warned you about the jokes you can't look at the title that's a spoiler and then uh, we're also talking about episode eight uh which is justice the one where wesley gets sentenced to death Oh my god. Bum, Yay. Bum, bum. This is the worst day of my life. My favorite, my favorite character being threatened. <laughs> I'll, I have a spoiler for you, Hayes. He lives. <gasps> they don't kill off Wesley in episode I eight. I can't believe it. Maybe, I thought maybe, it, be, I thought maybe it was just his ghost coming in all those later seasons. <laughs> that would be cool, actually. But you can't talk ghost about of Wesley. Ghost what a horrible curse. <laughs> It would be weird if that happened. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's get started talking about uh, "Lonely Among Us," uh, which is episode seven of Star Trek: The Next Generation, season one. Uh, the teleplay was written by DC Fontana with the story by Michael Halperin. It first aired on November second, nineteen eighty-seven, and was directed by Cliff Bowl. And the premise for this one is. The Enterprise is escorting delegates from two alien races to a, a neutral planet to, for peace talks when they pick up um, a strange alien entity hitchhiker that causes some uh, some sussy problems. A little bit of sabotage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot, lot of sabotage, in fact. Might, he might impo- be an imposter at times, in fact. <clears throat> so what, are, what are you guys' thoughts about this episode? We're not even on Ventrilo. Um, I actually enjoyed this episode more than I thought I would. I, I, I've we're now up to the point where like I'm rewatching episodes I watched not that long ago. Um, I think I, I watched this at this point like about a month ago, and mm-hmm. uh, I remember at the time just being kind of bored and being like, "Well, they're just standing around the ship, not really doing a lot, and occasionally they look at aliens in really bad looking costumes." <laughs> um. And kind of, and yeah, it's a, it's a lot of you know a monster creeping around the ship, c- coming through both the the computers and through the people, doing all sorts of mysterious stuff and causing problems. Um, I remember just thinking it was kind of like an uneventful episode, but I actually kind of enjoyed what it was doing. Um, when when you realize that the alien actually is like trying to communicate with them at first and is not just kind of doing like random havoc. So yeah, I I I kind of enjoyed this episode. What about I you, McFreeze? I really enjoyed it more than when I've seen it before because just I think a lot of I thought the cast was having a lot of fun with this one and there was a lot of good moments in it that I don't know, maybe I didn't always pay attention enough to see before. <laughs> and I don't know, yeah, there's just a lot of fun stuff in it. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that for sure. That's definitely one of those episodes where uh, you got to actually watch the screen to see and appreciate all the things that are happening. Because uh, this is an episode I, I remember liking this before. I didn't like it as much on this rewatching, but it's still a, a solid episode, I feel like. And it is worth noting, Hayes mentioned um, before that uh, 
they don't go anywhere. This is the first bottle episode of of TNG. Uh, they mm-hmm. just are in the bottle, which uh, I don't know if you guys know. Bottle episode is a, of a show where you just use existing sets and you don't have any special guest stars or anything like that. Uh, Boy, just to this... save... uh, so, sorry, go on. <laughs> to save money. That's all I was going to say. Save money, yes. <laughs> so I, I was just going to say, this is an extra bottle episode because, um, dude, they don't have that many sets yet. Uh, they they have like they have the bridge, they have sick bay, and they have like one or two random other rooms, and that's all they got to work with. I mean, they they have a good amount of sets at this point, though. They they've got engineering, they've got uh, the reading room, they've got lounge. Mm. Uh, got like the really, the show room. does not get that many more um, sets than this. Well, there's no cafeteria. There's no. There's a lot of like living quarters that aren't there yet, right? Yeah, that's true. I don't. They they've kind of showed uh, living quarters, but I think they really just reuse certain sets to make them living quarters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they they get like dedicated living quarter sets later. Um, but yeah, this is this is a bottle episode. Uh, one of the things about this episode that I really like is the little vignettes you see with the aliens. Um, that they're they're delicate the delegates that they're uh, oh, escorting it's to so Parliament. Stoop. Why don't they hire guards down there to like <laughs> keep track on things? This entire time, they're apparently like there's like a a B plot of like a war is happening on the ship. <laughs> Why is this our job to ferry these guys around? They're trying to kill each other. Well, that's, um... That's what they do. Is they, they do diplomatic missions sometimes in addition to exploring. So that's their job. But they, uh, need, to, they need to do a better job of it because they really kind of let some things fly this episode. <laughs> <laughs> the setup for this is that both of these uh, these alien race delegates uh, want to join the Federation. They've petitioned to join the Federation, but they're mortal enemies. They're from the same star system and they're mortal enemies. Yes. So that's why uh, the Enterprise is escorting them to. And I, I didn't notice this until I was actually reading the Memory Alpha on this earlier. Um, the, they're going to a planet called Parliament. They're not just going to Parliament. They're going to literally a what? neutral planet called Parliament. Yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> I didn't notice that in the episode, but that's ridiculous. This is like <laughs> Star Wars. We just got a planet where that is government planet. That's. I mean, that's no kind of a thing with these shows. Like you have one planet, and it is for one thing, and everything on it must be the same because we can only show you one place on it. So just. Assume that the rest of it is that. That is ridiculous. I love it. So um, they uh, they open up by they're they're picking up the Sele. Uh, is that how you say Sele? I thought. Yeah, Sele. Yeah, I don't remember. I just watched this episode yesterday. I already forget. Um, but they're <laughs> the snake people. They're snake yeah. people. I was so excited to see the snake people. They're great costumes. They 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 are definitely costumes. They didn't <laughs> uh, show them very much in this episode probably because their mouths don't really are not really able to move no, no. So. or their eyes or anything because th- th- these uh compared to the other race these are a lot more like the, the the costume is a lot more of the uh what the race looks like and so they have big fake eyes a big fake mouth it's basically they're basically just like wearing like snake helmets more than anything mm-hmm. and yeah for th- sure. they're dressing like in these like I, I couldn't get like a finger on what they were dressed in. They were just like in, I, I wrote down East Asian looking robes. <laughs> they, yeah, they, they were that, just that these like really color, colorful, almost like kind of fake silk looking like robes that were all like in red, orange, and blue and stuff like that. Yeah, they're cool. Yeah. So it, it looks, it looks very, uh, it's it very wacky. Oh, this is also the first time we see uh, the dress uniforms, which um, 
Picard, Riker, and Tashiara are wearing to greet I them. Put that down. They, yeah, it's like, oh my god, they're in dress uniforms. They never wear these. <laughs> yeah, they're they're being very fancy. They're being a very ambassadorial, I guess, literal, for their, literal for their snake dress, people. Literal dress uniforms. It's, cra- it's crazy. They made these like special uniforms that they wear in the show for all of like a minute, and then they and then that's all they wear. Well, they they wear them later again, but just not in this episode. I know. You know, you put on your casual clothes, but they keep these regularly throughout the entire series. So, mm-hmm. and cool. uh, if you haven't seen the show before uh, for some reason, and you're listening to this right now, uh, the dress uniforms are just like a longer uniform. Like McFree said, they're a dress, literally a dress. Uh, they have pants on underneath them, but they go down to about halfway down their thigh, and they've got like a pullover side that's got a gold trim on it. Very nice, very nice looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> uh, I also I wrote, noted in this scene too. Um, Picard and Riker were talking about the conflict between the Soleil and the Antigen, and they were talking about how they don't understand it. Like, like uh, what do they even fight about? I don't I don't get why they could uh, have this many this many conflicts. And I'm just like, really, come on. Like, I know this is supposed to be 400 years in the future, but you're not going to forget what that's like as a human being. Like also, you can't pretend also this is fucking Starfleet. They have problems with the fucking Romulans and like the Klingons all the time. Yeah. So like they they do know this has been an active problem. Like we've seen McCoy. This is like like the original series was not like thousands of years ago. It was just like fifty years ago. It was like a hundred well, years ago. Yeah. This is an important moment for Picard to say, "Oh, things used to be bad, but that was a long time ago. I'm the best." Yeah, yeah like they do that a lot says. in, in uh, early TNG, and I just it bugs me every time because it's like oh 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 you, you didn't like the part in the next episode where uh, Picard literally says we used to have bad laws, but we have perfect laws now. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get there, but uh, the reaction <laughs> that guy had to it too was just like uh, okay, buddy, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, the Enterprise is going um, to deliver them. They they uh, also are picking up the antigens. They pass by this weird gas cloud that they don't understand understand what it is uh, and they've never seen it before and they want to study it but they're like man we gotta take these people to parliament but they're flying by this weird glass cloud and then would- card he's a big science nerd and so he's like fly around the cloud and take uh, some readings lose the sensor yeah and at this point Worf is actually in engineering with Jordy uh doing some kind of mechanical learning or something i don't know what the fuck he's doing doing he's messing with panels some maintenance and it's like uh wharf is like oh the captain wants all of us to be learning all the time and training so i guess this is wharf being more familiarized with the sensors by doing maintenance on them but like the thing i don't get is that like they're on a mission right now right they're trying to transport these delegates to the parliament why would you like put anything at risk while you're doing that? Because this mission is boring. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't think that they're necessarily putting anything at risk either. Like they're just uh, doing normal maintenance on the Enterprise, and they're just doing normal, like oh, some cool science shit. Let's look at that for a second. You know, like I... they, they don't think that there's any risk here. It turns out I... they're wrong that there is risk. <laughs> yes. As as they as they uh, fly by the the gas cloud, um, Worf is at a panel and suddenly gets like a weird shock and falls on the floor, like it's a big electrical blue thing. He's he's screaming so loud, and Jordy just kind of turns around slowly, like he heard like a person walking by or something. Not Worf fucking screaming for his life. 
and yeah. I I love this because the uh, poor Worf they they didn't really do a great job of directing him how to react to this. So they basically told him to just touch the panel and make an O face for like ten seconds straight. <laughs> you can't. I don't think it was an mm. O face. I don't know. I gotta go back and check the log. <laughs> He's like, oh. he's definitely he screaming. He did a good Kramer back into the table and fell down. <laughs> <He did> do- <laughs> Uh, but then the episode comes back to uh, Crusher is leaning over him. And I like how he just wakes up and screams in her face like, ah! Uh. <laughs> He's freaking out. <laughs> Poor yeah. blue shirt guy gets thrown all the way across yeah. the hall. Yeah. And Crusher has to sedate him. And uh, Jordy is telling Picard what happens and says he saw like a weird glow when uh, when it happened, when Worf fell down. But he didn't know what it was. Um, And then yeah. we go to another vignette with the aliens. Uh, we get oh to meet the Antikins, which the are the other Antikins. alien race. How would you describe these guys, Hayes? You know those, like, dogs that, like, have the really, almost look like they have, like, they're, they're short dogs with long fur. They have, like, the uh, sort of, like, mustaches almost. They look like those. I need to look up this, this breed. Hold on. They have really long eyebrows. Um, these guys have a head that has like eggs coming out of the back of it yeah they've got a huge skull see i I actually think they look kind of like uh lions almost like a feline kind of except for they just have a giant weird alien skull also and this they get you get a lot more close-up shots of the antigans talking and you can see how uh i don't want to say cheap but how much the mouths do not move like it's good you can see the rubber moving up and down like it's they're doing their best oh and i wanted to note too um what just pinged me? Oh, that was me. Just me. <laughs> look like this. They look exactly like this. Uh, That's what fair. kind of dog is that? I I don't know. <laughs> How did you the find dog it? that looks like know. an Anakin. Hold on, hold on, hold on. These are called oh, um, that's not a, y- 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 a Yorkshire ter- Terrier. Yorkshire or, or Terrier. Or Shih Tzu, okay. actually. No, I'm sorry. This is a Shih Tzu. So okay. yeah, they they look exactly like Shih Tzu dogs. I don't know if they look exactly. Their skulls are a lot bigger than the Shih Tzu dogs. They anyway, I wanted to. That, that's true. They have massive craniums. <laughs> and the um the main one that that is talking is actually uh, guest starred Mark Alamo Al Al Alamo. How do you pronounce his last name? But he's the guy who was later cast to play Gal Dukat in DS Nine. Oh. He has several oh. recurring roles throughout uh, throughout TNG, but is later Gal Dukat. So that's that guy. Interesting. That guy. Yes, and the Antigans are telling Tasha that they need live food. Uh, and this, <laughs> they have uh, their food, live food was brought aboard and they were going to, uh, I guess, euthanize it very merciful, mercifully, the Enterprise was. And the Antigans are like, no, we need to eat it alive, you crazy people. Yeah, and Riker says, okay, what's the problem? Just do what they want. He said, but then he <laughs> turns to the Antigans and says, we no longer enslave animals for food purposes. <laughs> so apparently they use the replicator to replicate all kinds of food that have previous, like they're able to recreate burgers per se. They're able to make impossible burgers on command because they can just make <laughs> fake meat. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, they, that, they... You, that's reasonable. I feel like if if you had that technology, I feel like, that's how a society would work. But like, where's the where's the line with that? You know, if you're like, is it humane to just create cooked meat? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, isn't that weird? 
No. What's what's it's inhumane fine. about that? You're not killing anything. You're just you're just reforming matter. Well, it's it's not. I guess not inhumane or or whatever. It's just like what what is life at that point where you can just replicate flesh and, and bone and I I don't know. It gets weird to me. I don't know. We're gonna get some weird stuff later in the episode <laughs> that yes. has to do with. Yes, I don't know what of, you're... those kind I, of. I, I know what McFreeze is talking about. That that also makes no sense to me. <laughs> uh, and then we get Doctor Crusher in the sick bay working on Wharf, and she's got this freaking headset. How do you <laughs> this oh monocle target thing on her face? She's got a hard hat. <laughs> she's got no, no, no. She has a fucking scouter from Dragon Ball. Yeah, yeah it's like a scouter. Uh, what is the purpose of that? I wonder. But she's examining Wharf with it. And uh, she reaches over to get some samples from him and touches him and gets the, the shock passes to her. Mm-hmm. Gets a little zappy. She gets a little zappy, but instead of falling on the floor, she just uh, starts acting weird. And Troy walks in and she's just like, oh, yeah, he's uh, he's fine. I'm leaving now. Goodbye. <laughs> so yeah, clearly, clearly yeah. there's an imposter among us. We, like, we don't know that yet. Whoa, every, everything is normal. Yes. Even the first We're, time I was watching this episode. Is normal, and I'm normal. <laughs> yes, that's how you talk. You say, everything's fine now. We're both fine now. I'm a robot. <laughs> like, <laughs> something's not right here. Because, yeah, she she just has this, like, thousand-year, uh, thousand-yard-long stare going on whenever she's, like, done treating Worf. And just, like, in a corner, not really, like, talking to Troy or acknowledging her and then just zooms yeah, out of the room literally walks out of the room and she uh, ends up in her quarters i guess because wesley's there and he does have his orange sweater on still he does still he have does. sweaters he hasn't Hooray. got his like, uniform yet um thank god and <laughs> she's uh asking him what he's doing and he's studying dilithium crystals mm-hmm. and uh she asks oh is this how you control the ship's navigation or something like that and he's like no that's at home and she's like oh right navigation is at home and then takes off again and ends up on the bridge <laughs> And where she's... Th- this is where she meets Jordy, who I guess is having an off day because he finds nothing weird about this interaction. Where <laughs> she just goes up and says, "Oh, this is the helm," and Jordy <laughs> says, "Yep, it sure is." <laughs> <laughs> hmm, that's weird. Oh well, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't care. He's just doing his job. It's good. There you go. He's very busy. Uh, Picard does pick up on that she's acting a little sus when uh, he asks for the report on Worf and, and she just was like, oh, yeah, it was just a mental aberration. And he's like, uh, can you elaborate on that? And she claims she needs to do a cross-reference Klingons in the computer database. So he's like, OK, yeah, go use the science center. So she goes, stands next to data, uh, uses the computer on the bridge. Which, uh, the computers on the back of the bridge are weird to me. Why don't they have chairs? Like, how come they're all standing? Yeah, I guess it's so people don't like sit down and play a computer game or something, you know. We didn't have enough space in here to put chairs. So, I also, guess. Also, why are the computers only on the fucking bridge of all places? That's also a good question. Shouldn't she have computers in the medical bay? She, like, has, she, everyone, she has one computer on her desk. She has a little one right there. But not like the important one where like you can actually cross-reference data. Or maybe no, you you have, can't. <laughs> she did say she has to go to the library computer, so... I guess that, the only place to have such a big amount of data is on the bridge. That's ridiculous. I love it's, it. It's silly. This is, they didn't really this is, have the you have internet to think, yet. You have to think in old computers. <laughs> Networks <laughs> you know? existed back then. 
Yeah, but not really. Like they they existed, but people didn't really know what the hell they were. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm, I'm sure someone that was like writing this was just like, well, there's a smaller library in Crusher's quarters, and there's a bigger one upstairs. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good way to think about it. Uh, yeah. But she goes over and uses the panel and uh, suddenly zaps it. Which and this is the weirdest thing in me uh, to me in this episode is she gets zapped. She wakes up and has like no memory of what's happened. Uh, mm-hmm. But she just acts like everything's normal. Like, uh, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm just going to head out. <laughs> I have that written down, too, whereas she's just like, oh, no, I have no idea what's happening. I'm just going to not talk about this ever and pretend like there's nothing wrong with me. It's it's yeah. it's so really weird. insane, especially as the as the ship's lead doctor. Like you'd think she'd mention to somebody. I just had a blackout episode. It was really bizarre. <laughs> but no, she's just like, oh, why am I going on the bridge? OK, I'll go by. That would be embarrassing. So she's not going to talk about it. I also I like when she was like touching the computer. Um, Data was like next to her, and he's like, "So you're trying to look up about Klingons, right? So why are you looking up Helm Control?" She's like, doesn't respond, and he's like, "Okay, <laughs> yeah, Data, why are you peeking? That's not that's rude. That is, that is rude. He's just a curious guy." Uh, but then suddenly the ship's computer starts uh, malfunctioning and stations mm-hmm. all over the Enterprise are malfunctioning and everything's acting kind of sus like it was sabotaged. And we have a meeting with all the department heads in the lounge, I guess, uh, with Mr. Singh, an engineer who's not – we still have uh, Argyle, the chief engineer, who is not in this episode for some reason, but we do have Mr. Singh. Yeah, they mentioned – that Argyle is here, but he's not available for some reason. So yeah, he's like... he's not important enough to go to the department head meeting, I guess. So they sent Mr. Singh instead. Uh, but nobody has an explanation for the malfunctions. There's no reason the ship should be doing this. It's like a brand new ship. So they're like, oh, something's not right here. If They, it, they say if it, the ship had uh, been this faulty, it never would have left the dock. Right. So they think it must have been sabotage or something. And... Um... Which makes sense because, like, yeah, th- this is supposed to be like, the maiden voyage was just a few episodes ago, and like, if it's a, a fresh Starfleet standard ship, like, it should be like in the most pristine condition. There should not be a bunch of like failing components all at once. And they even make note that like it doesn't make sense for everything to be failing all at once because these are like systems that aren't even connected. So this isn't yeah. just like some kind of bug that's somehow spreading throughout the ship. These are just somehow like a wild impossible coincidence that's happening all across yeah and it doesn't make any sense and they're also losing warp power too they uh they lose their warp engines and they lose communications like mm -hmm. it's it's being a big problem while they're just trying Mm -hmm. to get these delegates to parliament Mm -hmm. and speaking of the delegates Riker finds weapons outside the soleil delegation from the uh antikins i wrote down here these look like what i can only describe as robot dildos they're just (laughs) (laughs) No, they're lightsabers, but no. they just have a regular laser coming out. They don't even have a laser. They're just like rods with like red ends. They have a little little, little laser, just a little one. <laughs> they claim they're tools for uh, eating things. They're not. Dispatching their <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're tools already. These are not <laughs> weapons. We just use them to kill our animals. <laughs> That's the only thing we would use them for ever, I promise. Uh, Ed Riker takes them away and says, you know, bad. Slap. <laughs> Slap on the and hand. He says, well, every one of us hates the Soleil. What are you going to do? That's politics. 
And uh, so they're, they're talking to the Anticons and they're saying, like, you know, make sure there's just no violence on the ship. No matter what, we will not abhor that. Or, or we, we will not allow that. And the Anticon guy, uh, as they're leaving, he, he says, oh, we would never start any violence. And then they finally leave. And he says, but if there is violence, we will make sure to finish it. And there's a, like a dun, dun, dun. The camera zooms in. <laughs> And this doesn't really lead to anything. There's like a gag at the end, but this is it like kind of leads to the gag. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I really like the vignettes just because like it's it should be a serious thing, but it is very comical that these two alien races are fighting each it's other very, on the Enterprise. It's so yeah. weird. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, good. They're having oh. an actual war here on the ship and no one really gives a shit. No one cares at all. <laughs> They're busy. They got they got other things to do. They're having another meeting, not with the department heads, but now with just Picard, Riker, and Data speculating that the, the failures must be to a saboteur, which we talked about already. But they think mm-hmm. maybe a, either alien delegation must be responsible. And they ask if they have connections to the Ferengi. Like the Ferengi are the big bad people that are going to sabotage their ship and nobody else will possibly ever. The world's biggest funny. nerds are out to get them. Well, they're, um, they're really trying to make the Ferengi out to be like these, like this like serious like antagonist race. But like they just, they can't they work like that. They don't. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> And then we um, also get in this scene, uh, Data doesn't know what a private eye is. What? Does, how? Data doesn't know anything. I he think doesn't. He just, he had half of his dictionary taken away at some point. <laughs> uh, but he does get to learn about Sherlock Holmes in this scene. This is the first time we get Data encountering Sherlock Holmes when Picard brings him up. He's like, oh, I better look into this Sherlock Holmes guy. Hmm. This, that, that whole little like part of this episode is so weird. It just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> Yeah, R- Riker says, well, we'll have to solve this without history's greatest detective. And Data's <laughs> eyes just light up. He's like, He's so greatest detective? Oh. Wesley alert, Wesley alert, Wesley alert. Yeah, Wesley Wesley's here. here. He's Wesley's engineering, here. Helping, he's helping Mr. Singh, who's trying to figure out what's wrong with the warp engine still. Don't um, worry, Wesley will just magically solve everything. And then Mr. Does. Singh just tells him to fuck off. Yeah, Wesley just looks over the monitor and goes, oh, this is your problem right here. You just got to fix this. And he's like, oh, you're right, but get the fuck out of here, kid. <laughs> it's he time for to you to school. go to school, you dumb kid. How get out of here. What does he need to go to school for? He knows the, the ship better than the fucking crew somehow. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he points that out, too. He's like, uh, Mr. Singh, I learned better doing this stuff than I do from school. And, and Mr. Singh just kind of shrugs. and is like, yeah, that we all do, but that's life. You, you got to go to school, orders. kid. Sorry. Um, and once it goes back to his quarters, and who walks in and Bob is wearing this red dress? I, I, oh my god, she's like, I, I didn't write down a dress. I wrote down a weird outfit that looks like it was fashioned out of like carpet or something, <laughs> it, yeah, it, like, like, or a blanket rather. Like it just looks like a big like snuggie over her. I like that he, they told him to go to school, and instead he just goes home and whines to his mom. That was good. <laughs> Mom, oh, they're making me go to school. Uh, um, yeah, I can't figure out if she's wearing like a house dress or if she's wearing like a robe or what the hell she's wearing. But I thought it looked fancy, like she was overdressed for talking to her son, like it was kind of velvety. <laughs> That's just how she lounges. Yeah, uh, but at this point, Wesley brings up the dilithium crystals that he was talking about earlier, and she's like, "What dilithium crystals? I don't know what the fuck you're talking about." Uh, and he's like, "Well, that's rude, Mom. I was talking to you. Were you not listening to me?" And she's like, "Honestly, I don't remember." And. 
then we learned um then we learned why we don't actually get argyle on this episode is it's because mr singh is touching the console doing things doing work and we see him get zapped and my first yeah. my first impression was like oh no now uh he got uh, possessed then Worf, who is on like personal tram did you see this He's like on this like little elevator thing that's like going down from somewhere. I, oh I, yeah, there's a lift oh. in engineering. Engineering yeah. has multiple levels. I see, I see. And so he, he's he's coming down, and he noticed that uh, Singh is obviously you know on the floor, passed out. And he goes up to him, and he's a, he says, "Just he's dead. Singh's just fucking yeah, dead. he's fucking dead. <laughs> yeah, he might have got a little sabotaged, a little backstabbed." little murdered i've never played among us i don't actually know how you kill people in that game i assume yeah. you just stab them right it's uh, you just go near them and then like a random animation plays where it's all wacky stuff right? where like you stab them or you bite their head off or it's, it's just oh, all you, you shock or them with a panel what if, you, what if you zap them yeah that's what i would do apparently he it's, got among us stabbed or i feel shocked, really bad for mr singh here because one i like him a lot better than argyle they should have just made him the chief engineer and uh two it's very obvious that he's going to die in this episode like they really make it very clear to me like i didn't think he was going to get possessed i thought like he was over at that panel he's a character that we've never seen before he's gonna die at star trek that's what happens it's very bad to be a named new character that does a random thing that's seemingly unimportant on the show i guess yeah, it's very sad. But after he dies, uh, the ship is still running on impulse power, but the warp engines seem to be magically fixed. And Wesley's like, uh, Mr. Singh did not fix that. Like, I was with him. He, he didn't get it done. He had to go into the engines to fix the problem. And everybody's like, shut up, Wesley. It's working fine now. He must have done it. No one else could have done it. That's, well, time to go. Everything's cool. And we're going back to Tasha Yar talking to the Antikins. All these vignettes are so short, too. It's weird to, to break them down like this because it's just like a minute of, of the TV show. But uh, Tasha's t interrogating the Antikins about where they were all night when the sabotage occurred, when, when Mr. Swing was murdered, and they were eating all night, apparently. Yeah. Is it eating? That was the answer. And yeah. I LMAO'd in my notes <laughs> here. Well, and she was like, all, all night? And they say... It was a large meal, Lieutenant Gar, and a very interesting animal. Yeah, and then she's all grossed out and leaves. The end. End of the scene. End. <laughs> the next, end. It was a next good scene. scene. Uh, next, we actually have Crusher talking to Worf about the memory blackout, which is my favorite line in this episode, where she asks him about the memory blackout, and he says, I still don't remember having one. <laughs> and everybody, died. And everybody plays it so straight faced but i was like god that's a fucking joke right there that's a comedy damn you're right and that's uh true. because at this point crusher has realized too that she had a memory blackout after talking to wesley and troy's there and she's like oh well the only way to find out is uh, do hypnosis on both of you we gotta put you under find out what's going on and then what happens next Ace. Then, oh my god, all I have in my notes here are, oh my god, Data has a pipe. Oh my god, Data is Sherlock. <laughs> Data has studied all of Sherlock. Something is afoot. <laughs> That's accurate. That's pretty much what I wrote down, too. Is they're, in a, they're in the ready room. Um, Data is smoking a pipe. Like, he's literally smoking it. You can see the smoke coming out of it. And uh, he's, he's now Sherlock Holmes. He's decided... Is acting like Sherlock Holmes to the aggravation and annoyance of everyone around him. Yes. Very good. It's so bizarre. This is this kind of like I know they referenced Sherlock earlier, and like it is like oh Sherlock, Sherlock. This is a, like a pale beyond of just like the, the show is becoming more and more of a cartoon. 
It's uh, good. Yeah, this really is when good. it gets good. <laughs> yeah, I like that being a cartoon. But the uh, point of Data's, this scene, though. Well, Data says, they did not just lie. They also omitted some of the truth. When we could figure something out from that. And Tasha's like, what? We can do that? I didn't <laughs> think about that. See, I thought her reaction was much more like, oh, what are you talking about? That's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't mean anything but his conclusion is that it can't be either of the alien races because they're much more concerned with each other than uh, anybody on the enterprise which is very true and valid Mm -hmm. and then and and then after he explains this he says it's elementary my dear Riker." (laughs) he also said during the time in question something was afoot yes yes it's so good and i said huh and then and from there, I believe we cut to uh, Troy talking to uh, Worf and uh, Worf and Crusher. And she has Dr. Going... Crusher in hypnosis right now. Yep. Yes, and she has this little toy light, which she's like, which is like blinking and blinking, and that's it's apparently like... how she puts her into hypnosis. The hypnosis machine is—it's like a headlamp, except <laughs> yes. without the lamp. It's just a flasher. It's really good. <laughs> um... And so she's asking uh, Crusher to remember what was like happening whenever she came upon Worf or when she was examining Worf, what happened to the moment where she may like start to lose her memory. And she mentions that like, she felt like another presence was in her mind. Like she was sharing her, her body with like something else. Yeah. And she's very uh, like frightened and panicked during this memory too. Like, yes, yes. There was some kind of imposter being sus inside her. I can't say it that way, but um, huh? uh, Troy says, takes her out of hypnosis and says that Worf said pretty much the same thing that he had somebody in his brain. Um, and Troy mentions uh, to, to Captain Picard that like she had sensed a, a feeling of duality in them earlier. And um, this, this mm-hmm. would uh, confirm that. And he's like, well, why didn't you mention that if something was weird? And I, I kind of like this because she says that it's normal for Beta Zed to, to feel that duality in uh, humans like all the time. As you're coming to a decision, you're like talking to yourself in your brain. And so she just thought it was that. And I mm. thought that was an interesting little mind bit. Yeah, that, that was interesting the way they kind of like um, that. That's the way that Betazoids are able to look at regular people, I guess. And uh, what did she what, what, what did she, she say? The way that like humans talk to themselves or I guess people in general, she said, like, well, you're always asking yourself uh, questions about things. But what does that mean when you ask yourself something? And it's like, ah, that's the duality. I see what you're going for. So Yeah, I thought, I thought it was a nice glimpse into how the Betazoid telepathy might work. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was an interesting concept. I thought it was weird. I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Data's still got his pipe, and he suggests the invader must be coming from outside the ship. And is this the scene, uh, I believe, where at the very end of the scene, Picard's yelling in about the pipe and says, please stop being... Sherlock Holmes data. We get that. We get it. But then no, uh, the it, it, it was tank... not. It was not at the end. It was as soon as he brings out the pipe. <laughs> well, <laughs> so the fish tank good... though happens at the end of the scene though, doesn't it? Like uh, uh, the fish tank makes a beeping yes. sound, and Data like pulls out his uh, <laughs> magnifying, magnifying glass, glass and yeah. looks at the fish. <laughs> this is so stupid. <laughs> I love Data. <laughs> this could be a clue. Thank you, Data. You're so useful. I love you, Data. <laughs> so back on the bridge uh the helm goes down again they can't move the ship so they call picard over and he's overlooking the helm controls next to geordie and oh no he touches it and he gets a zap 
And Jordy ah. at this point notices the glow happening too that like it had happened with Worf earlier. But Picard's right. like, no, I'm fine. Everything is fine now, he says. And also, <laughs> remember when Wesley was supposed to go to school? Well, he's on the bridge now. He <laughs> he's went still to school. He's on the fucking bridge. He's, he's fine. just doing, he's flying the ship or something. What is going on? He's day, helping Jordy run the ship. Like, <laughs> he's just a crew member at this point. Well, he is literally the last episode they made him an acting ensign. I, I know, but like he would—that that was more of like a you know, um, that was more of just an excuse to kind of keep him on the bridge, and so he could learn stuff and all that. But now no, he's, he's like operating the entire sh- like he's operating the bridge, which is like most most crew members in the ship that are actual crew members and not just acting, like they don't get they don't ever get to do this but wesley is just able to helm the bridge some or not helm it but he's able to run the bridge yeah well, he's the smartest person in the universe you know so you, you gotta yes he is yes, <laughs> give he him is. the leeway let him do whatever he wants <laughs> uh but no he's he's fully a member of the crew at this point hmm. it's not just an honorary thing he's uh he's there he to do his work i thought he was just acting he is acting oh no will wheaton is acting wesley is not acting Poor Will. Have this hang over your head your entire life. It's gotta be hard. Um, um, okay, so Picard, so Picard now gets asks, This is the part where Picard starts owning. Picard's <laughs> yes. very sus, yeah. Oh, Patrick Stewart's acting in this episode is so good when he's possessed by this thing. Uh, but he asks, why the ship is at impulse power? And Jordy's like, well, the helm is malfunctioning. And Picard just chuckles. It's like, oh, it's not. <laughs> no, look again. <laughs> Check it again, buddy. And uh, uh, it is working fine now. Jordy's like, uh, I don't know how you knew that, but okay. They don't question it too much. Troy senses something is weird about him, though. And Picard just vaults out of his chair. He slaps his hands, rubs his hands together. He says, all right, let's go to 925 Mark 3. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's back the way we came. He's like, well, I just ordered it. That's what we're doing. It's interesting how differently they act whenever they're being possessed. Like, uh, Worf just becomes an immediate crazy person. He can't handle having two people in his mind. He's just going crazy. Uh, Crusher seems more reserved, and she's just kind of closed off whenever she gets possessed. But Picard, he becomes just like super overconfident he becomes super uh you know just like this kind of smarmy like jerk whenever he's being possessed because it, it seems like or i shouldn't even say when he's like possessed because as we learn later it's more like a conjoining of their like beings right yeah yeah they kind of imply that which uh, doesn't make a ton of sense to people i don't know it seems more like he's getting taken over and the thing is just saying that it was like that I guess I I think it's more interesting the idea of just like his motivations change whenever he's like together with this like alien like energy. Yeah, and I think that him acting like a jerk is actually very funny, and I enjoy it because he is yeah. he does act super cocky, and he's just like I'm the captain. You just can't do what I say. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but he wants to go back and look at the energy cloud. He says it's very important, uh, and you don't need to question my orders because I'm the captain. Uh, let's see. Yes. We get Chief uh, O'Brien. O- o- we get an O'Brien uh, cameo. Yeah, this is his second appearance in TNG. They still haven't named him, uh, but he's following an Antican. 
saying, hey, go back to your quarters. Go back. And I don't know why he's security now, but he's trying to get this in and go back to his quarters. Uh, so Leg comes out of his room and they're just like at each other's throats. Well, I wrote uh, down that the Soleil said. <laughs> <laughs> That's accurate. What's that thing doing here? Um, and they're like, why are we going back? And then he starts doing a dog growling sound. And there's yeah, going to be a fight happening. I didn't even write down like why they were doing this scene. I was just excited to see Chief O'Brien. But it's just a quick scene of the Antican being like, we're turning around. Why? <laughs> I demand to see the captain. And uh, after we get that little aside, uh, we then, I believe we see uh, it's like Tasha, Troy, Jordy, Riker, Data. They're all in the conference room They're talking mm -hmm. about Picard because Picard is kind of losing it. He's kind of sus. He's acting a little sus and they want to vote him off the ship. Right. And um, they're saying that they, they might need Crusher to relieve Picard of command, which I didn't know. I didn't realize that was a power Crusher had. Well, she's yeah, she's the head doctor. So if if somebody is like medically unfit to uh, to lead the ship, then they can mm -hmm. say nope, you can't do it. Right, right. Yeah. But and, as she uh, points out, she needs uh, ample evidence and logs and stuff to support that decision. And Jordy says it's Boku trouble if you're wrong. <laughs> Thank <laughs> that you, down too because I wrote down what the fuck is Boku trouble? I don't know what that means. <laughs> I forgot to look it up. I'm going to look it this up right now. I think this it, is the it, second it, it, time he said that. Word. It means it means a lot of. It's like saying like, "Oh, I got Boku bucks." It's it's like that. Maybe oh. he's just maybe he wants he's learning French words to impress Picard. No, it's because the screenwriters are stupid. <laughs> okay, <laughs> because it's, be, it's because they're like, "Oh, this." Rapper said, Boku Bucks, I know what we'll write for our black character, Jordy. Oh, I don't think it's like that at all. I don't know. We'll see. Um, <laughs> how, um, how come Picard anyway. isn't using any French? Hmm? Well, he and says, Dr. pardon Crusher, my French. He says Murday in that one episode from last time. It. I forgot. It was good. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we even pointed that out, but I enjoyed it. I wrote it down in my notes. Uh, and um, Crusher points out that Riker is, is actually in a better position to uh, take over command of the ship as the first officer. But he also says, like, oh, well, I need really good evidence to do that. I can't just do it. That's that's what I think when Jordy is like, yeah, there'd be Boku trouble if you uh, if you did it without no reason. Um, but so Crusher says, OK, well, I'll get some uh, medical exams going, some psychological exams and see if we can get some actual evidence to take him uh, off of off of Captain Hood. Yeah. And Data pointed out that he hasn't done anything to put anyone in danger so mm -hmm. there's not really a, not really a case yet so Riker and um, Riker and Crusher approach Picard who's in his like office I guess his ready um, room yeah his ready room and he's just kind of pondering out uh, Picard, sorry Picard is looking out into the stars just pondering something we don't really know what and they say uh we want you, you know, we want you to submit yourself to some examinations. We're kind of worried about you. I love this scene so much because he, says, he just entirely gaslights them about it, too. He's like, <laughs> nothing's wrong with me. You guys are says, the ones acting weird. says, I'd be glad to go to sick bay once I'm free. And he's still just looking out the window. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I have to written down to He says, I'm far too busy to be, to be like engaged with any of this like nonsense. Like 10 seconds later, looking out the window. <laughs> He's very busy. It's, it's got to look, look out out that window. But no, he, he orders Crusher to do uh, psychiatric exams on all of the senior staff instead of him. 
Yes, yes, he's saying you're, you're 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 all the ones that you're like you're all overworked and delusional. I'm the only like sane one here. Yeah, and then he says, "Doctor, are you aware that everyone is behaving strangely?" <laughs> it's, it's such a good gaslight. Um, so they leave, and Crush just like, "All right," deflated. Um, but then we get another vignette where Riker's just walking down the hallway and suddenly like this electrical lasso goes around his neck. It's like, it's like, it's like one of those little dog catcher things. He just like yeah. gets yeah. necked by it. He gets captured by the lizards. <laughs> it's like a neon version of one of those. It's it's like those like, you know, those like glow sticks that you can like break apart and they like, start mm-hmm. to glow. It's like one of those basically. It's exactly yeah. what it is. <laughs> it's just a glowing dog catcher lasso. It was really funny. And then this lady's like, oops, sorry, wrong species. <laughs> <laughs> and Riker is like oh you <laughs> I love all these shenanigans that are happening in the background in this episode I want these these races back honestly oh, so it's Crusher, a lot of fun it's so stupid it is Dr. Crusher does give the exam, uh, do the exams to the senior staff off, off camera I guess and uh, goes to Picard to give him all the results and he's just like yep whatever and is staring at his computer monitor probably playing Tetris or something mm-hmm. um they don't show what he's looking at, actually, but I assume he's just playing a game or something on his monitor. They, um, they finally, he finally kind of lets loose with like what his identity is to a degree, because Crusher asks, "Is John Luke in there?" And they and Picard or the simulacrum of this energy and and Picard says he is here and more. What's and, that? What's that mean? <gasps> so. Let me find my notes on this. Yes, and um, he said the the being is just kind of talking about how, like, you know, it, it is more than just Picard that's in there, and they're both traveling. And they're saying they're, they're they will soon be home. We'll yeah, both I mean, be home. Both of us. He talks about too how it's a good thing and how uh, they're about to embark on a wonderful adventure, and he mm-hmm. wishes that she could understand, but it's just like this is what he's got to do. Yes, yes. So they arrive at the gas cloud, and Picard goes out to his, uh, the bridge, and that's when he gets this reveal to the whole crew and uh, gives the explanation, too, of imagine if you were a little entity and something just uh, passed by you and scooped you up uh, right out of your home, and you didn't know where you were or what you were doing, and you were just trying to figure out how to communicate or ask for help. Um, and he explains that, that the entity, him, was trying to... Uh, stop the ship to turn it around um and he didn't mean to kill mr singh he was very regrets it it was a total accident um but it had happened whoopsie sorry mr singh <laughs> that's all what are you gonna um, do uh you know just a casualty but now he just it's time for him to go home and picard is now one with him because they're both explorers and he was promised this opportunity and seized it to ex- explore the gallery as nothing but energy which they they when they first found its cloud we didn't mention but they they saw that this cloud was actually traveling at warp speed as well uh, which was yeah. one of the things that interested them so the, there is something to the idea of just being a being of energy exploring the universe I guess mm-hmm. but it is still very sus that Picard would actually want this like the I, entity I, that's interesting the idea him. that like when you become like part of this like collective of energy and like consciousness like your motivations change and you give in to more of your like base like desires and Picard's desire was is to like explore and understand stuff so I kind of buy that to a degree yeah I can see that for sure and, I can and, see and that. then when he kind of like leaves that sort of like co- collective uh, business 
he kind of gets some of his individual individuality back and like he's like oh i need to be with the people i know and stuff like that so yeah yeah i understand that but he's telling them that he's going to beam himself just out his energy into the into the cloud and become one with his being and everybody's like no you can't do that and uh crusher tries to take down his command of the enterprise right then and then he pulls his lightning trick on everybody which this scene (laughs) is really good because the everybody's like standing in place and yelling like oh i can't see i'm blinded oh i can't move (laughs) (laughs) he pulls a fucking shoe he does the palpatine it's so silly he he, he first lightnings everyone I feel like when they wrote this script, they didn't really specify like what exactly was going to be happening on the bridge. That was for special effects to figure out later. So the crew mm-hmm. was just doing their best to be like, uh, we're blinded by this energy, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Right, right. No, they definitely had, like no idea how it was going to look. Someone just told them, to, like, put your arms up and say you're blind. <laughs> <laughs> you can't move. You're seized in place. Uh, so <laughs> he just does that, walks out. Uh, goes to the transporter pad where the the guy who runs the transporter pad is also on the floor shaking with electricity, and he beams himself out. Goodbye, yep. Picard. This is That's this is how Picard, Picard dies. Spoilers. No. And, <laughs> and then uh, and then Riker says, "Well, we can't find Picard. We're out of here." And they leave, and Picard's gone forever. It's been an hour, yeah. and they can't find him. So this well, is a, guess this it's time to leave. We it can't is a do anything scene because Riker is like looking out at the energy cloud. And they, he knows they need to take these delegates to Parliament. Uh, and he looks really, like, distressed and mournful about this decision. But he's like, I, I, we have to go. Like, we can't find him out there. Uh, but then Troy suddenly senses something. She senses that, that Picard is out there and he's alone. Uh, and they need to get him somehow. Um, so they, they think, like, well, that first entity got aboard the ship by just, like, being in contact with the ship. Maybe Picard will figure this out somehow. Somehow. I don't understand how this works. Well, we're just going to drive around in the cloud and see if we can pick him up. Yeah. And just see if he, it see works. If he so. hitches himself on. It does they, work. Yeah. They, he just hitches on to the, uh, on the Enterprise mysteriously. And how does he, Merc, how does he uh, let everyone know that he's on there? <laughs> he uh uh um, goes to the helm panel and um a little lightning flashes and makes a p in the display and they're like it's p so for cool. picard it's so of course. cool <laughs> i was looking at this on wikipedia earlier memory alpha one of them uh and there, there's a remaster um change for this too where you also see the p um back where at wharf's panel in engineer or not in engineering and uh at the back of the bridge originally that was not there but they added it in the remaster, which is a nice little touch because I certainly would not have noticed it uh, without that screenshot pointing it out. I honestly, I have to confess, didn't even notice it in in the episode. I didn't see, <laughs> I, the I, I didn't I didn't see it just... either. <laughs> it was pretty the, far away. It's called visual storytelling. I guess, but I heard it aud- aud- audibly them say, oh, it's a P. And I was like, okay, was the electrical spark in the shape of a P, I guess? No, I oh, so, so you didn't know. So it, it's similar to in that screenshot where all the little icons, you know how like those panels are made of like those little messages and icons kind of? Mm-hmm. The only icons that were that were lit would spell a P. Yeah, I did see a screenshot of it after later. Uh, yeah. but while I was watching the episode, I was like, I guess there's a P they're saying there is. I don't know. I saw the uh, P and I laughed really hard at it. <laughs> and yeah, the um, P is everywhere. They don't know what to do about this though, because they can't just beam him back on because he's just energy. You can't just beam energy into a person. It doesn't work that way, apparently. Mm-hmm. But Data's like, but his transporter pattern will still be in the buffer because he was the last person to use the transporter pad, which raises a lot of questions about the transporter pad and security. <laughs> yes. But whatever. They think like, okay, if he knows this, he might he might get himself there, like energy wise. 
and it might work out magically. And it does work out magically. They go to the transporter pad and there's Picard. It this, wasn't really clear to me what this meant because like this raises a lot of questions. <laughs> they apparently just made up a card. So you can just make a guy and that's fine. You can just put together some meat in the form of a guy. But apparently, like, you need Picard's energy to make it. Like, is this his soul? I was going to ask. What is, this supposed- a- <laughs> is this what we're going to understand from this? This is his soul. Totally. I, I don't know why we would need him. Him in particular, only for, like, for his memories or something. But then when when they end up forming Picard, it's just the memories that he had before he left. It's the same state he was in when he right. left. So what was yeah. the energy needed on the ship for? Because as far as I can tell, it was just his like save state from right as he left the ship. Which, why is that a thing that the transporters can do in the first place? Like, wouldn't that cause a lot of cloning accidents? Does this mean that you're just killed whenever you're beamed up from the planet and then reconstituted? We talked about this in the first episode, and you guys said that you thought that it did mean that, uh, and maybe it does. Yeah. I don't know. This it, suggests it definitely it definitely. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense, but I, I guess they get his soul back in his body. So good job, I guess. Yeah. Yay. Um, um, but then Tasha Yar runs in. And she's like, "Sir, we found a puddle of blood outside the Antikins' quarters, or it was outside the Sele Delicates' quarters, uh, and the Antikins had had killed one of the Sele." And what did they do? They <laughs> Riker says, couldn't this have waited a minute? And then Touch says, it's good to see you back, Captain. Also, they asked us to cook the dead guy for them. And <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. I don't give a shit. Let's go. It, it, it's sort of like a comedy moment because it's, it's all like, it's like the ending of a fucking, uh, what's that Larry David show? Curb Your Enthusiasm? Curb. It, <laughs> basically the curve of your enthusiasm theme plays at the end where they're all they're all just like looking at each other like what happened this time i never watched that show or i'd hum the theme right now but i was just thinking da 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 totally it's just it's very they should have done a freeze frame in the credits roll <laughs> it's a very freeze frame kind of comedy moment too i love that those are my favorite bits in this episode it's those vignettes and also sherlock holmes data there was one oh. last Sherlock Holmes data moment at the very end where um, I, I believe uh, doesn't uh, Picard ask Data if he's still Sherlock Holmes. And Data, <laughs> Data, he says, you shouldn't be doing that. And Data says, indubitably, indubitably sir. Uh, I rolled the credits. And rolled the it, credits. Was, it was an okay episode. Not the bestest, like but not good. the worstest. It was a very interesting episode. There's a lot to unpack in there. I think, too, for a bottle episode, like, it really didn't read like a bottle episode to me at all because so much stuff was happening even though they didn't leave the ship at all. Mm-hmm. It was it was a good way to do a bottle episode. But next we're going to be talking about uh, Justice, one of the best episodes actually in season one, I think. Um, we will be talking about that right after this brief break. So tune back in. Don't go anywhere. Whatever, Whatever you say on the radio. And we are back. We are talking about Justice, uh, the eighth episode of Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1. Uh, first aired on November 9th, 1987. 
and was written by uh, teleplay by Worley Thorne, story by was Ralph Willison Worley Thorne, directed by James L. Conway, and the in-universe date 41255.6. The premise for this one is the Enterprise encounters a uh, new species on a new planet. Um, they uh, want to go to sh- for shore leave, but Wesley commits a crime and they discover that all crimes on their planet are uh, punished by death. Bum, bum, bum. What are you guys' thoughts, initial thoughts about this episode? I like this episode. I thought this, I thought this was just a solid episode of TV. There was some wacky stuff, but I thought it fed into the show really well. And um, I don't know. I thought it was just pretty good TV. There's a lot of uh, interesting stuff in this one. And there's the excitement of thinking Wesley could die. So that's good. <laughs> Um, spoiler, he does not actually die, but he comes close. You think a nation of sex havers could kill Wesley? Think again. They're not powerful enough. No one is powerful enough to kill Wesley. No, this episode, this episode is probably the first episode of the series where it actually starts to feel like itself, uh, to me. Um, this is like the very, very TNG feeling. There's still some, some weirdness and some roughness, uh, like the sex haver aliens in general. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> might be a little over sex there, I don't know. there might be a little problematic things happening here but it's oh, fine and, and before we even got to get into this haste too i wanted to ask you as someone who's new to star trek uh and is new to all of this what is your understanding of the prime directive at this point um don't fuck with uh so <laughs> it's really funny you bring that up because I think I don't understand it because they mentioned that the prime directive is not to interfere with, with like the society of like certain kinds of, uh, you know, of, of, of uh, the inhabitants of certain planets or whatever. But the first thing they do is introduce themselves and like integrate themselves into, into the society's culture. And that already seems like breaking the prime directive. Okay, see, I'm glad I'm glad I asked you that because I was curious about that because that it definitely is. It absolutely is breaking the prime directive. They are not <laughs> supposed to have contact with this species. The the rule is they are only supposed to have contact with species that have developed their own warp travel. Okay, like that's okay. that's when it's that, okay that to sense. talk to a species. Yeah, because then then you're interfering with their development up until that point if you do it beforehand. Yeah, so it made sense in Code of Honor because they obviously they're able to like teleport and they have like advanced technologies and all that. But like mm-hmm. here, these are just like basically, I don't know what era you would like compare this to because the technology, the horny era, the horniest era, it, it's obviously more advanced than like what we even have now. But obviously they don't have any means to get off world or anything. Yeah, um, I'd almost compare it to where we're at now, like in the 21st century, where uh, although the very different society, obviously, but the technology seems similar. Um, they just don't yeah. have like space travel. Right. Totally. And it, 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 but like, why, why are they like going down and having Wesley fucking come down of all people? <laughs> <laughs> well, cause, cause, uh, as, as you get from Dr. Crusher coming onto the bridge in the beginning of the episode, she's begging the captain for shore leave. They haven't had shore leave in ages. And the crew, especially the children, need to go out on a real planet because the holodeck just doesn't do it. Well, there's limited space on the holodeck, too. So you only get so much time. <laughs> we learn this later. You only get so many holodeck hours a week. But yeah, the, 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 the part I didn't understand is why are they allowed to break, like, integrate themselves into the society or contact them and do all the things they do. But the second that someone gets arrested, somehow interfering with that is breaking the prime directive. That like that made zero sense to me at all. 
The reason is, is because it sets up the episode. Yay. Yeah, that's the whole reason. It's, it's, yeah, <laughs> no, it, it, the show is much better later on about not breaking its own rules like this. But uh, this one is a very, very bad early example of uh, we don't exactly understand what we're doing with the Prime Directive yet. Yeah. Well, didn't the original series ha- like adhere to that pretty hard? Like, I don't fucking know, dude. I never watched it. <laughs> I don't know. All <laughs> like, right. I probably didn't. I Because I'm, I'm pretty sure that Captain Kirk just did whatever the fuck he wanted to. It's my understanding of Star Trek, the original series. Somebody I'll watch that and find out. (laughs) How many aliens did Picard fuck? Uh, He's not actually much of that. That's the Riker's job. I thought thought Picard was the sex haver of that show. Oh, no, no, no. Of of TNG? You mean, you mean, mean, I'm sorry. Captain Kirk. I meant to say Kirk. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, Kirk (laughs) was absolutely the sex haver of that show. Yes, I thought you were talking about Picard. And it's like, Picard is not the sex haver. Picard is full sell as hell. I'm getting my captains mixed up. Mixed up, yeah, yeah. I assume Kirk was the the sex haver of the original series, as, as much as you. Can oh have yeah, sixties. Oh, he was. Anyways, never mind. <laughs> I was just gonna say. Anyway, speaking of sex havers, uh, who wants to describe these aliens? McFreeze, the floor is yours. Oh man, they got. <laughs> they all are wearing the same thing, which is. Oh. It's like a loin cloth, and it's got uh, suspenders going across their chest in an X shape. Yes. And it's just all very loose, free-flowing cloth. And everyone is very uh, athletically gifted here. Mm -hmm. Because it's the 80s, several of these guys are clearly on the gas, you know? (laughs) Yeah, there there's a lot of I don't want to say steroids, but steroids being passed around. See, I didn't notice that because I don't really know what that looks like. I guess I just was like, yeah, they're buff, buff guys. I guess I don't know, shrug. Because they're swollen as hell. There's yeah, a little, well, the, there's the a whole little race... uh, swelling in the uh, the uh, musculature. Yeah, the whole race seems to be a bunch of uh, white blonde humans. Basically, too, and they they do say at the beginning of the episode they they're very similar to us physically, but they they are just humans. They're dead ass humans, uh, but yes. they're all very fit and blonde, and they run everywhere. Uh, oh, and for their I outfits too. So hard. Oh, I, love, I love the running it, everywhere. It, 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 it wasn't just them running everywhere. It was it like panning out, and you see everyone else also running all the time. <laughs> That's the custom. That's when good. in Rome. Oh, we, we also get the scene too where they they start running somewhere and um. We're skipping way ahead. I'm not really saying we, 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 we are skipping way it? ahead. Uh, it doesn't matter too well, much. Let, 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 let's preface this. Um, they're coming from helping colonize a planet that's very nearby. When they detected that there's uh, uh, there's uh, alien species on a nearby planet, on a Class M planet, and they thought they should stop by and see what it's all about. Because I guess that's, that's what they do. They just fucking they see species and they just park their asses there and say hi. Um, <laughs> which they're not supposed to but they did this time um and they're like running they're running some preliminary tests and they're saying or not, not tests but like some like research and uh i believe tasha yar says the society is very neat and they follow the laws and has no negatives yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that means. absolutely well, no good negatives here they sent down some people earlier and they just came back also and i think I don't know if it was Riker or Tasha says they make love at the drop of a hat. And then Tasha says, any hat. Tasha does says any hat. And I'm like, no, Jordy says the first yeah, part of that. Yeah. Right. The okay, drop right. of a hat. Thing. And 
I don't know what that means. <laughs> it means they they fuck a lot. What, is, what, is, what, what does that mean? Any hat? <laughs> what, what are all these? They don't she's, even have. Hats. She's trying to say they're DTF. There's no hats on this planet because they're and, too busy fucking. And so, uh, and before they take off, they notice that there's some kind of like sensor glitch. There, there's like apparently something in front of them that they can't really see, but they're not that worried about it. And they're just thinking like it's a glitch in the system or whatever. So yeah, not... they're all like, oh, it must be something wrong with the Enterprise. Well, we'll look at it. We'll get it investigated. So uh, their away team is, um, it's uh, Riker, Troy, Tasha, Worf, guest starring wesley for some reason <laughs> well, no, no they give the reason they do give the reason they uh picard specifically says wesley i want you to go on the away team to evaluate how the planet is for children it's stupid <laughs> you shouldn't send a child down to an alien planet don't do that <laughs> but they want to send all the children down there so they gotta check it out they gotta give it a scope over <laughs> why because they need fresh air before we go to before we go to commercial or before we go to the opening, Picard says, "Let's just hope it's not too good to be true." <laughs> dun dun dun. Uh, between that and saying that the society has like zero negatives, this is like some very blunt screenwriting. <laughs> <laughs> it's super blunt. No, they, we actually have in the scene where they're down there on the planet uh, and they're looking at it, and Tasha's like, "This place is like a literal Eden," and I'm like, "Wow, what the hell is subtext? We don't have that." What <laughs> Thank you, writers. Um, I couldn't tell this was supposed to be like in the Garden of Eden. We're super text here only. So so they they beam down and like and like McFreeze is saying they they everyone wears loincloths. The men have just like two straps across their chest and that's it. It's like super free flowing. You just see their entire bodies basically. And the women yeah. have like these very like kind of like skimpy dress sort of things. See, um, I describe but, them as skimpy togas. I think everybody's kind of dressed in like a skimpy toga. Good. Yeah, it's um, basically the same thing. It just has a little bit more material to cover the booby uh the, we are met by two representatives of veto i forget their names i did not write them down i should have it's a have... Re- Rivon and leotor i believe no one no i thought leotor was one of the mediators no and okay. the mediators didn't get named leotor is the blonde guy that does most of the talking and then Rivon is his counterpart so i didn't write any of these guys names <laughs> I always write down the names because it's important to know the names of Rivon and Leotor, but they are very huggy. They come up. Apparently, and say, the people of Edo fucking love to touch without any like without asking or anything. Because immediately the guy goes in for Troy and like touches her, and it looks like he's about to like kiss her neck or something. I think like, he does kiss her neck because they met before, so I think that they're on uh, intimate terms now. <laughs> it's super but weird. Troy looks so uncomfortable, dude, and yeah. it feels like it's not just acting, but I feel like Marina Sirtis is also very uncomfortable with us being hugged by this guy in this skimpy ass toga this is so super uncomfortable it's a lot he's very flirty with troy and then he's very flirty with tasha and then um you said levon was the girl revon 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 goes up to uh riker and she's like hugging him and uh then she goes up and hugs Worf, and Worf just says nice planet <laughs> he loves it. She's really into Worf, by the way, too. She's like, oh, oh yeah. aren't you big? <laughs> One for the big man here. And, and then she uh, goes up to Wesley and things immediately get awkward. They're very awkward. She's like, I'm not sure what your customs are about uh children, but uh and she, he's like, uh, I guess whatever you normally do. And she just kind of like gives him this little half hug, like Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's trying to hide his boner. <laughs> he's oh, not trying and... to hide his boner, but that's that's a joke. Um 
He's, he's just a kid. He can't help. Um, the Ito, uh, the Ito lady keeps making advances at wharves. Um, and the guy keeps making, uh, advances at Troy. And they're talking about what they want to do. Should they, like, go, go play? Or should they just go straight to the council? And Wesley's, I think he's trying to say, like, oh, I don't want to be a bother. Like, we don't, you, you, we don't need to go straight to the council if you don't want to. And then they, like, say, like, what's wrong? Can Earth people not run? And then Wesley's like, can't run. You bet we can. He's such a competitive. <laughs> he's saying we can't run. We'll show them, Riker. We're going to run. And then whole... everybody starts running. Oh, my God. They, they run. They do. It's so good. I uh, really like we didn't mention it, but uh, this is the first episode. Of, apart from the holodeck in uh, Encounter at Farpoint, which is on location in just some forest somewhere. This is mm-hmm. the first time they've actually been on a planet on location for filming. So it's, it's not so just in a soundstage. It's it looks so, so good. It's was clearly just a, like a it looks like a, a park in California to me. It's a water treatment facility is what it is. Um, <laughs> uh, that's the building behind them. It's a water treatment for- facility. I guess I don't know much about water treatment facilities. Cause like I don't either, but this one's gorgeous because yeah. it's a, a gorgeous planet. And um, th- you also like there's a lot of extras on this uh, episode and you see a lot of them always running in the background. And I really like the consistency there. They just like, like, hey, you extra, go run past. <laughs> Everybody's say, fucking must, jogging everywhere. Must we couldn't be an extra on the shoot because you're just made to run everywhere you go. <laughs> we couldn't do any of this running inside. This is why we had to go outdoors so everyone could run. Well, and the reason, too, that they decided to go to council was uh, they were going to stay and play at making love. And then Wesley looks so uncomfortable. And they're like, oh, that's not fair to him, is it? He doesn't want to just watch us all fuck. Yeah, but then all of the adults are like, ooga, we like this. <laughs> uh, uh, but I, they, they go to council because there's other people his age there that, that he can hang out with, which yes. I, <laughs> I'm like, hang out with and do what now exactly? Yeah, please, kids. Yeah, they, 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 Don't worry they, about they, it. They find ways to have fun. Um, by the way, I liked when they were running over. Riker's like, uh, "What in Rome, right, Worf?" And Worf just says, "Where and where, sir?" Worf again was raised by humans. It's worth mentioning. He, he doesn't know all his human history. Like, I don't know everything about history. Fine. I think you've heard of Rome, though. Yeah, you know. I think most people will probably hear, even 400 years from now, I bet people are still going to be hearing about Rome. Oh, we're beyond the concept of places existing. I guess even if you don't really know about Rome, you know about the phrase, when in Rome. So they they arrive at the council, and uh, three children immediately come out, and Ravon's like, hey, hang out with this kid. And the the boys don't have any shirts on at all. Like, they don't have the straps even that the men have. They just are wearing a freaking loincloth and nothing else. I I, I wrote down that uh, Wesley runs off with a child nudist colony. (laughs) (laughs) It's like that, though. It is. And there's a girl with them, too, and she's oddly wearing more clothing. Well, not oddly, actually. I'm very glad she's wearing more clothing than the adult females. I'm really glad that the child girl is not wearing nothing. It's still not that much oh, more. It's still it's really not. weird. Yeah. But they all run off together to play. Uh, and the council, oh my God, the council. They go inside and everybody is dancing Fuck. and holding hands. And they they pan past this guy getting a massage from two ladies. And he is just covered in oil. He's got oh so God. much He's oil. dripping in oil. He is oh. a skin cancer made person. <laughs> He's not, got, I guess he's not outside, but I feel like, yeah, it's it's really weird. They've got these two big buff guys playing like a harp and some other instrument. And let me tell <laughs> I, you, I, I, this I wrote, music's 
this music sucks. This is not like, this is not good for dancing. This isn't good for sex having. This is just like if you were watching a documentary about ancient Greece, this would yes. be the music. I, I wrote down, there's two extremely buff guys. They're playing, one's playing a harp and one's playing what appears to be a spear. Yeah. There, I didn't see any strings oh, on it or anything. He's just like holding a spear and somehow oh, playing you know, it. I'm looking very closely at the pixels, and there are strings on it. You just oh. can't see them. They're so thin. <laughs> That's so the, funny. The away team is very like, oh, this is oh, you guys. You guys got quite a party going on in here, and and I like how Tulio Tor is like, please enjoy what we have, and immediately two women like come up and say, hey, yes. we're here. And, and, and then and, uh, and Troy and Tasha are taken away by two guys. I have to assume they just fuck at this point because that's no, no that's that's there. It's basically pointed out right out for you. They go to commercial breaks. It's time to fuck. <laughs> I'm the fuck. Yeah, that's um, what you do when in Rome. I guess when in so, Rome you fuck. Now we're back to Enterprise. Yeah, they determined that the glitch can't be a glitch. They're like, something is out there. It's just something that's like a shadow something. Something from the shadow realm is out there. They can't see it. So Data tries hailing it, and they get a weird uh, answer and reply that they can't understand. The computer has to interpret it. Uh, It turns out it's just saying, stand by. Um, Jordy looks at it. He goes over to look at it with his uh, magical eyeballs, um, his visor. And he says it looks like nothing is there. He can't see anything. Uh, and yeah, then there's, the there's a weird... the, there's a big thing. It's like half transparent. It's like a space station or some kind. It's it's what it yeah. looks like. It looks like a UFO with like three like skyrise buildings as legs or mm-hmm. something. That's what I wrote down too. Yeah, they look mm-hmm. like skyscrapers. And I liked the detail that Jordy has to go find <laughs> Windows Magic Eyes because looking at the TV again. So I wrote down that this makes no sense. Why would he need to go to a random window for this to work? Um, but he's using his, yeah, he's using his special vision to kind of, to try and detect like what that is. Mm-hmm. But then I also yeah. decided this doesn't make any sense because if they're able to fit that technology on Jordy's face, it should be trivial to fit it on a ship, right? Eh. It should be. It should probably be, yes. <laughs> but we no, don't let's, care that Jordy has to do it. something in this episode, okay? Let's go have him look at the ship. <laughs> Go to this window. <laughs> um, but then a, a weird like light pulses out of this uh, space station object uh, and just like flies through the walls of the Enterprise, like through the hall, through the walls. And they're like, intruder alert, there's something on the ship. And mm-hmm. it's this bubble. This bubble is moving through the Enterprise and it like comes to the bridge and it looks at Data and it looks at Picard. And then it suddenly has a booming voice and everybody shakes, the whole ship shakes saying, state the purpose. Like if they're hearing the voice of God, if you can, uh, if you hmm. can imagine that. What are you trying to say? I saying, I'm saying it sounds like the voice of God. Oh my God! I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if this hmm. thing is, is God-like, perhaps. I, I uh, really the, like the uh, design of the ship or the the object in space, where it's like it's like kind of like nonsensical shape, and you really can't see it because it's tra- it's transparent. And like considering the purpose, it eventually ends up filling like. It's cool that it's like this abstract thing and not clearly just like an alien ship or something. Yeah. yeah it you, is hard to tell like, what it is, though. You don't know what it is. It's like. Which I appreciate. Really, I, I like things like that when you have actually like really alien things that 
you just cannot understand because they are so um so fundamentally different and there was like an old interview with some star trek people it's like we wish we wish there would be more non-humanoid aliens that looked weirder you know on the show and they said, yeah, that would be cool. But unfortunately, all of our actors are humanoid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it does put limitations on it. Um, but the, the, they start talking to the god bubble. He's talking to Picard with his big booming god voice. And he uh, asks what the hell they're doing there. Um, what, are you, what is your purpose? The, the, they have observed, apparently, the Enterprise dropping off that colony earlier uh, mm-hmm. at a nearby star. And they're worried that they are going to leave people on this planet as well. Um, and Picard reassures them, no, we're just here to visit. We're not, we're not going to stay. Uh, and the God bubble also refers to, uh, the Edo as his children or its children, uh, and do not interfere with my children. And then the bubble floats over in front of commander data. Um, what's it doing there, Hayes? The, the bubble basically asks permission of data or he, he asks data if he is like a communication information, like device or robot or something. And Data's asking Card like, "Should I let it in?" Card says, "Yeah, we'll see what we'll see what happens." And the bubble just attaches itself to Data's forehead, and Data takes a pratfall. <laughs> it's good. And Data is down. This seems like a horrible idea. It's fine. <laughs> Very. Data just laying on the floor with the bubble on his forehead is just such a funny shot, though. I love it. I, I should mention it's not like it's not like the bubble goes into data. The the, the bubble is just like attached to his forehead the entire time, even while he's down. It's yeah. it's, it's very whack. Um, That's what you do. And uh, uh, also, they have the they have cut off the communication with the ground, so there's no radio. Yes. We oh, that's right. Yes. Cut off. Yes. It's very yeah, important. It- no communication with the away team. So we're back uh, with the away team. Wesley is running with his new children buddies. Uh, one of the boys is like showing off and doing a handstand like, hey, can you do this? I bet you can. And we find out, thank God, there is a, there's a connection underneath that lowing cloth. It's not there. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Um, and, and Wesley, not to be outdone, he's like, check this out. And he just starts doing a bunch of cartwheels. Well, that's not entirely true. First, he turns into a stunt double, and then he does a bunch of cartwheels. I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that either. His oh. hair definitely changed color. Oh, my God. That's so hey, funny. it's hard to do a cartwheel. I don't blame him. <laughs> and then the girl wants Wesley. She's like, I want you to show me something, Wesley. And Wesley's immediately like, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know how to do some games. Like, he's, he's very concerned that she is going to want to have sex with him right now. Uh, yes. <laughs> but she's like, I just want you to show me how to play ball. That's uh, one really uncomfortable part about the society is, like, how do you integrate that to your kids? It's like, all right, honey, it's time to learn how to play with the other people. All, they, all of them calling it play all the time really kind of gives it's me really a really uncomfortable, uncomfortable vibe <laughs> it's like this, these people are kind of a uh, little childlike in their uh, demeanor they're, they're very yeah. childlike yeah i think that that's very intentional because they are supposed to be like this is supposed to be a garden of eden they're supposed to be very innocent right and naive. right that makes sense and, well, they're, they're not really naive they love to fuck yeah it's, it's it's it can be kind of uncomfortable that kind of uh the clash there I yeah, so, they just, 
they do reassure me at one point though where uh i think it's the next scene but rivon and leotor are talking to them and leotor says oh our society is simple you know nobody does anything that they're uncomfortable with right 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 which is so nice. that- e- even even though in the first scene we see them they're just like all getting all touchy-feely with like troy and tasha <laughs> yeah um, so uh so we're we cut back to the fuck palace and mm-hmm. um Riker is just kind of checking things out and he's all like, nice. Yeah, he really is just looking around like, I like this planet. This is my kind of place. <laughs> so, Pace, if, you have, if you're not aware yet, uh, Riker is the guy who fucks on the show. Oh, no. I, they, I had no <laughs> doubt. Didn't, hasn't he already fucked on the show? Maybe not. Uh, probably. probably. No, he, no, no. Probably. I forgot. He's the only one that's like stayed sane during the drunk episode, so I guess not. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. He'll get to it. <laughs> Um, oh, he probably did s- on the commercial break. And so uh, War- uh, Worf and Riker are talking. Riker is like, hey, you like this kind of place, say, eh, Worf? Worf is like, I am not concerned for love, sir. I am a warrior. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then I, he, I uh, about talks about how, he talks about how Earth females are too fragile for him because he fucks too hard. Yeah. <laughs> this right. is a very, I wanted to talk a lot about this scene. Um, I had to look up a fact for it. What were you going to say, McFreeze? I was just saying, Riker's like, what about plain old basic sex? Yeah, that was a good bit. That. He's like, I'm not talking about love. What do you, what do you, don't you have, need to just fuck? You know, sometimes you just gotta fuck. And Worf's like, I cannot. They are too fragile. <laughs> and Riker yeah, like, so laughs good. at him and it's like, if anybody else said that, I'd think they were bragging. And Worf just straight up doesn't understand. There's a few notes here I wanted to make. Klingons, we, sh- we get shown later. This, like, this is the first introduction, I think, uh, unless TOS did it, which I have no fucking idea if they, if they go into Klingon lovemaking. But this is our first hint that Klingon lovemoking might be kind of intense. Boy, is it really intense. Uh, hmm. They tend to beat the shit out of each other while they're having sex. So that's <laughs> worth noting. Yeah. Um, but also, also, Klingons have two penises. Yes, they do. I'm, yes. I'm aware. Of, I, I've recently <laughs> learned this fact. I looked uh, it up on the break because I'd heard this. I haven't watched Discovery, but apparently they've shown this in Discovery. Klingons have double organs, uh, backups of all their organs, including the penises. So that might be also it. a complication in uh, Worf having sex with humans. No, it's, like, it's, it's like probably a- fine. You, you can work around that. I mean, you you can, but it's probably hard. Like, what if they go both in at the same time? Like, that might be uh, a problem. Oh, it's hard. What? You know. It's like trying to anyway. fit. It's it's like trying to fit a uh, four pin hand fetter into a three pin hole. It just doesn't work. I, I can't. <laughs> you know, I kind of. You could probably make it work. I don't. I, I didn't actually <laughs> like, like, like at an angle or something. Like, hold on. Let's like, discuss the physics of this. Well, how did how are they lined up side by side or one on top of the other? That's what I need to know. <laughs> I figured that's an it, important. No, totally, because it's like side by side, like you got problems. <laughs> I'm just Googling Klingon penis right now and we're seeing what mm-hmm. we see. Okay, it looks like top and bottom. It looks like I, I'm going to post this screenshot here. This is from there Discovery. They, they showed the pissing. Uh, but it, okay. it's a stream one on top, one on bottom. So, so yeah. Okay, so that seems much more workable, I feel like, than side That's by a, side. Side by side, I don't streams. know. Well, I, I guess that there's another aspect of this. Um, that we're not considering. <laughs> Thank you for the diagram. You're welcome. <laughs> um, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. So, well, if that's the case, would Klingons just would they be into like? <laughs> mm-hmm. Double penetration, Hayes. Is that what you're trying to say? Or are you trying to say that? I'm just saying, like, <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was trying to figure out how to broach that idea myself. But I feel like that would 
probably be part of uh, Klingon having sex with a human woman. I guess we also so. determined while we were talking about this on break, we determined that based on this logic that uh, Klingon women must also have two vaginas. Uh, all right. That's just how it works. Okay. I guess we should move on probably. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I was just really excited about talking about it. I kind of <laughs> don't like Riker's uh, asexuality erasure here, but it is Riker. So it, is. it makes sense understand. that he would not understand that concept. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, I got lost in my notes because I got so excited about this. Okay, so uh, they're, they're, they're talking about, about, about war fucking way too hard for human women. Um, Riker talks about, oh, sorry, Riker tries to reach the Enterprise, but notices that they've been totally uh, cut from contact. So, yeah, and he, he, he says smartly, it's probably nothing. He smartly deduces, though, like it might be nothing, but we should get everyone together just in case, which is smart. That's like a, yeah, yeah, make sure everyone's informed and like you're all together in case something is like going down. Yeah, and, and he and Troy uh, go out to find Wesley, and then uh, Worf goes over to talk to Tasha. And we and boy, find do out. we have some revelations from that conversation. Mm. <laughs> well, Troy, Troy also says that uh, these people, their minds are so open and honest, and they don't hide anything. So it clearly was not any of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she would have sent something. Uh, right. But Tasha's like, I was just discovering that there is no crime on this planet. And uh, I think it's she's, she's talking to Leotor, the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's uh, he says like, oh, yeah, yeah. We used to have a lot of problems with crime and a lot of terrible things in our society. But uh, we finally figured out how to how to deal with that, you know. And she's like, but I don't see any police. And they're like, what the hell is a cop? We don't have those. <laughs> and they explain that they're all their laws are done by uh, mediators who at random assign punishment zones throughout the planet that uh if the mediator catches you doing something wrong in the punishment zone then you're then you're caught and nobody uh breaks any laws because they don't want to risk dying and they're like wait what record scratch it's so much first mm. of all punishment zones yeah. <laughs> good a, a concept that seems like it seems like punishment zones will just like change like rapidly and arbitrarily as we learn yeah. from a later scene but it's like what how do you come to this how do you come together as a society as a society and be like okay at random points of the day if you like trip on a fence you'll be put to death if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time it's like well then you just don't trip on a fence ace it's easy it's simple you simply don't trip on a fence what the fuck is the society (laughs) yeah no they discover that any anytime anybody is caught breaking the law in a punishment zone they're just put to death no questions asked uh that is how they have dealt with crime in the society is by simply uh killing every single criminal no matter what the offense uh and tasha very um poignantly asks who is the person who tells this to uh travelers who don't know these rules to which they get Uh, no response yeah they're like oh that that didn't occur to us you guys are the first ones we've had yeah and and then and then i think they're like wait a minute where's wesley cut to wesley immediately panic and they're like we got to find wesley now because that kid's gonna immediately fuck something up dude we know him he's he's gonna break a law and sure enough wesley and his friends are in like a garden and they're just having fun they're playing near a pond they're passing a ball around and uh they you know just kind of running throughout the field and then one of the kids tells wesley to go long for the ball and Wesley starts kind of running for it. He's kind of looking. He's not, not looking where he's running. He's kind of looking to catch the ball as it gets tossed way over his head. And he's able to run and barely, uh, barely catch it. Except he crashes into a bunch of plants, which are described as new plants that are under protection and they're forbidden to be messed with. 
Yeah, and you do see the white fences that the others were talking about too to tell tell you that this is a warning. Hey, stay out of this. And um, and they try to warn him too before he falls into them. Like Wesley, no, don't. You're not supposed to go over there. And they just immediately ask him too, like, why did you cross that white fence, idiot? Don't you know? <laughs> don't you know that means don't cross that? So uh, this and, and, other and, this other kid threw the ball there, so he must be trying to kill Wesley. That's the only explanation. Why would you throw it over to the over there? Don't throw them over strength, to the death I flowers. <laughs> I don't think he meant to throw it that far, but probably. But uh, I yeah, guess. he I, didn't I, know I, his own strength. One, I really one, like Wesley's. I'm oh, sorry. I really like Wesley's reaction to this too, because he's just like, uh, "Don't worry, I'm fine. I'm sorry about the flowers, but I'm fine. Why are you guys was, freaking wait. out?" I was about to say the same thing. I love the like reaction of this where to Wesley is just like, like, you know, whatever. It's just, I crashed in some flowers that sucks, but we'll move on. And then like the rest of them are fucking horrified because they live in the society where they watch people get killed for like minor in- inconveniences. And, yeah, and sure Wesley- enough that. And Wesley is now going to be subjected to the same fucking thing. It's like, what yeah. is this horrible society? Because sure enough, conveniently enough, they are in a punishment zone, and two mediators who you, you can tell are mediators because they have slightly more fabric on their their chest straps and they're gray they tri- colored. <laughs> they have triangles on their chest. <laughs> they all have triangles on their chest. I think the, the the other ones are like white and and flimsier, and the mediators have a bigger gray one uh, mm. but they two run up and they're like oh no and they're trying to explain to the mediators all the kids are like he's new here he doesn't understand the rules he didn't know and they're like oh that's very sad then this we have to kill him <laughs> this is so <laughs> fucked up. yeah well nothing you can do <laughs> and the rest of the enterprise crew uh luckily comes up at this point too um they fucking the mediator like immediately pulls out a syringe like he's just gonna like, execute him on the spot that's what they do yeah. <laughs> we have to kill you right now <laughs> go 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 <laughs> um oh my. well he points out because like wesley admits it so that was an admission of fault there were uh there were people that watched it happen and um there was a third point that they made for just being like okay we can execute you now and uh so Riker, Worf, and uh, Tasha show up, and I think Riker's there first. He's like, "Okay, okay, uh, what'd, what'd you do, Wesley? Is he, are, like, are you in trouble?" And Tasha rolls up and she says, "Yeah, we got to talk about the laws on this planet because if you make a mistake, you can be put to death." And that's when he like that's when the mediator gets out the needle and he's getting ready to poke uh, Wesley. So which, yeah, and Riker knocks him down immediately. Riker's fucking single palm like he clotheslines him. <laughs> <laughs> And they, uh, Worf and Tasha pull out their phasers and point them at the other mediator and say, ah, don't, don't you go near him. And I love their reaction, too, because they're like, well, why did you go and do that? Now the boy is scared. Yeah. Oh, they're I like just, that. Yes. They're all, they're like all confused at just the concept of anyone not listening to them. Yeah. It's, it's more than that. To him, uh, to them at this point, Wesley is just like an animal to be put down. And what they're doing is just causing undue stress on him. Yeah, because I think it's inevitable. He has to be put down now, and now he's just scared and frightened. But he would have felt no pain if you just let me would have stick him with this drug. Right, exactly. And so, and so, yeah, they pick up the needle and they find out it's basically basically just like a poison that will kill you painlessly. And um, man, that's so messed up. And so they have phasers drawn on the uh, the mediators, and I don't remember what happens after that. Actually, they realize they still have no communication with the Enterprise, and then we get uh, back to the Enterprise. We have uh, Doctor Crusher is examining bubblehead data uh, on the bridge, um, doing the information exchange, and the bubble is finally uh, finally floats off, and communication mm-hmm. is just restored immediately. And they get a, a communication from Tasha Yar saying, 
Captain, we need you down here now. <laughs> There's some <laughs> yeah. urgent issue with the laws on this planet. You got to get down here immediately. Uh, Data's still unconscious, and um, Picard beams down right away. And he arrives at the council. Everybody meeting uh, meets up at the council and uh, explain the situation to him. And that's when they, we have this nice conversation about uh, laws. Yes. So this is where Picard, like, they're, they're talking about the history of capital punishment, both in reference to Edo and, and as well as Earth. And Picard talks about how th the Earth used to employ uh, capital punishment, but they no longer do so because they just figured that it's a like not a justifiable way of like doing uh, criminal uh, of just, you know, doing criminal justice. Um, yeah. But he also he also says that it's not a problem because all their laws work perfectly now and they're able to root <laughs> out the seeds of criminal behavior before they happen, which I don't know what that means. They've got, this is very interesting that I guess they have thought crime and pre-crime and uh, they're picking up kids who show criminal tendencies i, I guess, guess that's what happens i guess i think you guys are over reading that a little bit because i feel like it's more that uh society in the federation and on earth now has gotten so like there's so much um material wealth now and so much uh lack of need and education everywhere that they just don't have the issues with crime that we do like in current times and i think that's more that than uh Right. than a thought crime but yeah. um he but he did also put in Picard that does... one line that is very interesting <laughs> what what um, is it oh that one where he's we're detecting the seeds of criminal behavior oh i yeah. think that's just clumsy i i, I just read that as kind of clumsy way of saying that uh we uh we've figured this shit out in our society and it's mm -hmm. not really an issue anymore but it, maybe it, it's thought crime i don't it's know it's a little it's a little suspected phrasing <laughs> I liked um I liked when the one guy said uh we regret that our system of justice is troubling you. <laughs> yeah, I noted that too. <laughs> it was a good uh good thing that a corporation would write on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> and and, and Leotor's so reaction they, mm -hmm. Leotor's reaction too to Picard saying this because Picard mentions that they they don't have need for barbaric things like death penalty anymore and he immediately takes offense at that and is very like his words are dripping with poison as he's telling him like well I'm sorry that our society is not as advanced as yours but maybe since your society is so advanced you can simply take the boy and leave and we will report that we could not uh the criminal got away and we could not uh do the the thing yeah, they, they 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 couldn't just put this child to death. I was right now, fuck this dude. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm sorry, we're so barbaric. I'm sorry, that you, you're so offended by us trying to kill your kid. Like, said, we will record him as an advanced person who luckily escaped the barbarism of this backward little world. Yo, but I, dude, you are. <laughs> well, I think I I he has every right to be offended by that though, because they they literally live in a paradise, like. They talk about how this is the punishment, and they don't say like how often it actually has to be done, though, because it sounds like everybody kind of knows like don't commit any crimes because you will die. Like so, oh, they they the, live in this wonderful clearly, paradise. Those kids, those kids were clearly like terrified when they saw Wesley like do that thing. Like to me, that says that like death in their or like capital punishment in their society isn't that rare. It does happen, and it's like a threat they all they're all in like constant fear of. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. The, I don't the, know. Diggy, mm. It's a nice fuck planet most of the time. You just don't want to break any laws. <laughs> just, just don't pick the flowers. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, 
so but they they say that because you guys are foreigners here, we will uh um extend the execution until sundown, but then we, he has to die at sundown. And mm. uh, so one thing I thought was really weird was that uh. He says, I guess we'll just like, like, like McFreeze the same. We'll just mark it up to like, you guys can take Wesley and we'll just mark this up to like, um, someone that we can't touch. And Picard says no, because of the prime directive. Oh what? yeah. Yeah. We talked. What? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> Why would See. you do that? <laughs> you can, you can fuck with this place as much as you want until they're like handing their, their prisoner back. And Picard's like, well, we can't do that. <laughs> like, well, we can't crazy. just break your laws and leave. That that would be uh, against the prime directive. We shouldn't even be here in the first place. But you know, don't worry about that part. It's so crazy. I don't get it. <laughs> it it and, doesn't and make I, a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Picard, Picard just also- changes the subject and he says, "Hey, <laughs> what's that thing up there in space?" Yeah. I was trying to I was trying to figure out what the segue was to that, but I guess he just kind of brings it up. <laughs> It's probably worth mentioning, like, oh, you have some satellite, because uh, the thing does mention to them uh, that the Ito is their children, so he figures maybe they know the guy up in the invisible guy up in the sky, uh, right. and they're like, do you mean do you mean God? The invisible guy in the sky <laughs> is God. That's that's God. He sounds like he's describing God. Uh, and Picard's just like, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, and then they also get a call from uh, Doctor Crusher at this point saying the data is awake and he needs to talk uh, immediately. Mm-hmm. And Picard asks if one of them will return to the ship with him. Um, and Riven's like, Yin, if you need a hostage, I can do that for you. And he's like, no, 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 I don't need a hostage. I just want you to look at the thing on the on the ship. Mm-hmm. Look at the thing in the sky. I want you to stare at God in the face. <laughs> yeah. Which is basically what happens. <laughs> yeah. It does happen. <laughs> what happens. Um... And they, they, so they go back to the Enterprises, Picard, Troy, and Rivon. And Rivon is like... Oh, your ship is so cool it's so cool up here i don't understand if you've got all this how come you can't just take wesley you're being really stupid picard <laughs> everybody's like oh. <laughs> um, um crusher walks in she's like i saw the report i saw they're gonna kill wesley and picard's like hold on we gotta go look out the window right now <laughs> I don't totally... have time to talk about that. Oh my god, he just ignore doesn't ignore her. He just says like, "Oh, we'll worry about it later." Well, she just follows him the whole time. Like, I need to talk to you about this. It's very urgent. <laughs> uh, but he does take her over to the the lounge area where the the window is to look at that, and she immediately falls to her knees in uh in reverence of God is out there and mm-hmm. like can't speak. And Picard's like, "Is this God?" Is do you know him? How do you recognize him? And she can't respond. And, and Troy is trying to calm her down too, saying like, it's okay, relax. Just tell us, how do you, how do you know this is God? And, and she's just like, he has appeared before, which ooh, I have questions about that, but whatever. Doesn't really just, elaborate that on that. Right. I, I assume it just takes on like these abstract forms on their planet to like convey messages. Maybe like, I, I think, isn't it kind of implied that maybe, the god is what like kind of gave them their laws to a degree. Kind of, yeah, yeah. I think they do say that. Um, like, 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 like they, they, like, I want to say when they're talking about their laws, they're like saying like, like, like somehow there was some kind of like intervention which uh, allowed for these new laws to be kind of implemented. And I have to assume that was like their doing. So they, they probably show up in some abstract, semi-transparent form. So that's kind of what she's interpreting in this case too. 
Yeah. And then uh and then God notices that the one of the Edo is on the ship and he starts coming over. He's not happy. He's fucking pissed. He's a return my child. My <laughs> child. And then uh, he starts Picard, creeping like, on over the it's getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> and Picard immediately takes his comm badge and puts it on Rivon and it was in like uh, signals the transporter to, to send her to the planet, and they're all panicking, like, send her now! Send her now! That's <laughs> <laughs> really good. Uh... And so she's gone. And they leave yes. to go talk to Data. And God leaves. He's like, okay, good. Yeah, Great. God just floats away. He's like, alright, we're all good now. <laughs> and Dr. Crusher's asking Picard, like, what are you gonna do about Wesley? My son is gonna die down there. And uh, Picard's it's... like, well, you know, there's a God out there that might destroy us if we take him, but... Uh, that's that's how it is. <laughs> you don't really have an answer for her. He just says, like, he just kind of says, eh, I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. He does say that he is also as scared as she is about it, but he's not acting like it. No, at all. not really. <laughs> at all. So they go talk to Data, though. Uh, what does Data have to say? Data is basically saying that the being that he talked to wasn't not, was not he or she, but rather of like a collective of beings of like multidimensional beings and they're uh oh and they are like they're old and they're ancient and they're kind of watching over this star cluster they, they kind of consider this like star cluster as their entire jurisdiction and they very likely have something to do with the blossoming of the Edo people and they're kind of okay with the Edo treating them as gods because from where where Edo culture is at currently that's like a, an acceptable sort of like place for them to be so they're using that opportunity as a way to kind of look look after the people of Edo or Edo people i should say yeah and i i like all this explanation too like it, it makes it makes sense in a way uh, i think during encounter at farpoint episode i mentioned that uh the show will deal with like what if god is just an alien a lot and this is definitely the first big example of uh of that you know like totally. they're to these to these people yeah. to the Edo, this is god in the sky like with massive power even though this is not god this is just an alien that has evolved beyond uh, our dimension and um so and this is where picard says data stop babbling and data doesn't <laughs> know what babble means what is what, no, what? He, he, he doesn't know anything uh, okay. but but, he, but then he, knows... he says uh, then, then he says hmm I do babble later. So he does know what it means. I no, guess he knows, he knows what, what it, means. it means. He's he right away said babble, sir. I I don't babble. He's just trying to deny that he babbles. I, he knows mm. what it means though. Okay. But he okay. does like Dr. Crusher is freaking out about Wesley right now and is like, we have to get him out of there. My son is gonna die and starts crying. And freaking data is like, ah, oh, this is very interesting, sir. The emotion of motherhood is it's like data. Really? Do you not have a tact program at all in your he brain? Doesn't. Well, I, I did like that because that was just a, an excuse for Crusher to say, shut up, data. <laughs> yeah. But he just, she needed to. Data's like, damn, you're right. Uh, I, I guess I, I guess I do babble. My bad. So, so one other part of uh, exposition is that uh, they, um, because the aliens read uh, Data's mind, they know everything that Data knows, including the Prime Directive, and they come to the conclusion that if um, if the if you know Starfleet is to break Prime Directive, that would make uh, I, like somehow that would make. The aliens think that uh, Starfleet, or at least Picard and his men, seem untrustworthy, and they might act yeah. against them. 
if they can't play by their own rules, then that's going to really uh, make them seem sus to the right, to the right. aliens, which which is mm. reasonable logic. I feel like. I mean, I feel like this is kind of a big assumption here because they really don't know anything about they, what these this thing wants. They but really don't. It's. it's I think. Kind of... um, I think Picard is thinking about Q here, and is is like, ah, this is another Q thing. I know what we have to do here. <laughs> Um, then we then we uh, get a commercial break and we cut back in and Picard apologizes to to Data saying Data it's okay that you bab- babble but you're very you're very useful and you have a unique perspective on things I'm sorry yeah he's he's privately talking to Data and they wants to wants to just get feedback from him about this and Data gives him a trolley problem he's like would you kill uh would you save one person <laughs> and kill a thousand and Picard's like I'm not fucking doing a trolley problem that's basically <laughs> what he says he's like I'm not gonna yeah it's not how I make decisions <laughs> uh and um Data also tells him too I, I don't know if he said this earlier but the aliens were once like us uh and have just evolved more. So, and uh, mm-hmm. they think that the Edo might uh, be protective of them because they planted the colony. I'm sorry if you did say this before. I was busy staring at the penis diagram. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to change the window so I stop looking at it. Um, um, <laughs> Klingons have two penises. <laughs> um, huh? And, and, and yeah, yeah they, they kind of surmise that uh, the Edo probably planted the, uh, or sorry, that the aliens planted like life on that planet, and which eventually would blossom into the Edo people. And so that's why they're probably like so protective on it, of it, which makes yeah, sense they're because they're probably saying, literally their children. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and then Crusher comes in and is still like, uh, my son, can I please, now that that is all taken care of, can I please go down to the planet? And uh, Picard's like, yes, I'm going to go with you. And don't worry. I, even though I didn't say this earlier when I could have several times, I'm not going to let them kill Wesley. <laughs> you just said that like a moment earlier. Like a little a bit of reassurance when she's like grieving. <laughs> no, we're just going to leave her hanging. Maybe he hadn't decided. Maybe he was still on, on the fence about whether he was going to let Wesley die or not. <laughs> I know I would have trouble deciding too. <laughs> but back on the planet mm. the sun is beginning to set and Riker really uh wants Wesley brought out to them now so that they can keep an eye on him and he doesn't die yes. uh so Leotor and Tasha go and get him Carton Crusher beam down and Rivon runs over and immediately bows down to them and says that because they share the sky with God they must also be God and Picard's like no no we're not we're not God stop that <laughs> and so at this point we're running out of time there's like four minutes left in the show and nothing's really being resolved it, it seems like this is the big confrontation is that like you know how are we gonna get like Wesley out of this jam? We're in a real we're in a real like rut here. Um, they're talking to the Edo people. Um, the mediators are kind of just be grieving them, saying that like who are you to like uh, go over our laws? This is our way of people. This is our way of like law, and you shouldn't be able to supersede that. Um, and they're like really pissed off at, at the card. They're very concerned. I feel like the society is going to immediately crumble just because one person has escaped the death penalty, even though that person was an alien who literally knew nothing of the laws of this place. But no, our society is going to be destroyed if we can't kill this child. (laughs) One guy's like just pretty much saying, can we please kill him? Can we please kill him? (laughs) (laughs) Please. Uh, Picard Picard starts this by saying, I'm not going to let you kill Wesley, but I would like to talk to you so that we can come to an arrangement so that we're not just like leaving without your permission. And they're like, that's not going to happen. We have to kill the child. Picard's Picard's like, like, well, that sucks. And they all just go to beam out. (laughs) But they can't. He says, um, perhaps your system of law is better than any we once had. 
Which is like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm with them. I, I think it might, I might be workable. I don't know. But, but I'm not says, sure they would even do anything. <laughs> he says, but my law says I must protect my people from harm. And then yeah. he says, if I save this boy, I'm breaking the prime directive. And then the other guy pipes up and says, you should be executed for it. <laughs> oh that, yeah. that we didn't mention earlier too that scene where uh riker clo- clotheslines that guy and they pull out their phasers on the mediators the punishment zone has abruptly moved and they're like if it was still a punishment zone you'd all be sentenced to death as well like i meant, to, I meant to bring that up yeah. it's so what a stupid society it's, it's so great arbitrary. there should have been a big graphic and music sting that came up that says punishment zone well you, know, it has to be, you can't know it's a punishment zone otherwise people will just commit crimes outside of the punishment zone you see exactly, it has to be exactly. It has to be secret. So you just have to be <laughs> living constant fear, fear your entire life. Isn't that great? Well, just don't do a crime. That's so true. they they can't beam up and they uh, the Edo tell them like, ah, oh, God is preventing you from escaping criminals. And uh, <laughs> Two then, minutes uh, left right, in the episode at this point, by the way. Picard <laughs> just starts talking. If you can hear me up there, God, uh, you got to let us go because there can be no justice as long as laws are absolute. And they're like, yes, yes. Uh, all this all the starfleet people anyway and Riker says something else that i didn't write down R- R- Riker says uh when have laws been as simple as a rule book to which i write always apparently just convinced god because they get to yeah. beam out uh, yeah um, and that, that was all they needed to do they just needed to appeal to space god and be like we're sorry you, you can't be that harsh man don't harsh on us and they're like okay yeah. <laughs> I like earlier uh Wesley jumps in he's like, wait a minute, if you save me, everyone on the ship might die. And Picard says, You're not involved in this decision, boy. <laughs> I I really like the Wesley's response to that too, because he's like, I, I think I am, sir. Like it's a good moment too of Wesley standing up for himself. I like when Wesley stands up for himself. I really yeah. I really do. I don't know why. It just warms my heart. It's just well, I think it's, it's funny how everyone just immediately forgets and goes back to calling him boy all the time. <laughs> he's the boy i feel like moments like that like where he wesley messes up and like things need to be resolved i feel like that would work a lot better if he wasn't like mr perfect 90 percent of the time yeah where yeah. It, but, he, but he really doesn't get a chance for those moments the, the, the only times that he like usually like stands up for himself is when he does something perfect and then he has to explain uh actually i did this perfectly and it's like you're not rooting for him at that point you're just thinking <laughs> no. like wesley you're a little shit and i want to kill you <laughs> yeah no i season one wesley is really difficult to like uh as the show goes on they do actually show him being more human uh and mm-hmm. it, he becomes a much more likable and relatable character i feel like later on uh but season one he's just oh, so precocious oh the worst okay so they're back on the enterprise and uh, Picard hails God to tell them, like, hey, thanks for <laughs> thanks for letting us not die. Uh, but they, he asks them if they want uh, if they want them to remove the colonists they just plant in the in the nearby star system and uh, give us a signal if, if mm-hmm. you want us to do so. And God just uh, pieces out. Which and they take that as a, a sign. Yes, that you should probably they, they take it. I would take that as a no. Personally, I feel like you could just he can talk to them. He could say, yes, remove them. But no, he just, just give, give, give him another bubble gram. Like, <laughs> yeah, could, they could, but they did. He doesn't. So, and, I mean, for for safety's sake, I don't blame them for deciding. Like, yeah, we probably should just remove the colonists. Well, they they, they even mentioned earlier uh, when they're talking about the multi-dimensional beings, they're like, you know, we probably shouldn't have put a colony out here after all. <laughs> 
So well, how, do you, how are you supposed thing. to know that there's a god there's a, the next star system over that's well, kind they of possessive? A, they should have put a sign up that says this area claimed by God. They should yeah. have put a white fence in front of the planet so that everybody yeah. would know. And then um, um, Picard's like, well, I was hoping we would learn more about those guys. Oh, well. The end. I also like that uh, Picard says... You know, that, that was a pretty uh, fast response. And Riker says, with godlike efficiency. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Riker. <laughs> I missed that. Ugh. I was zoned out, apparently, at that point. I'm still looking at this picture of the Klingon peeing on the wall. <laughs> I need to close this browser window. That was a good episode. I'm looking at dicks. <laughs> the Justice was a good episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, that was fun. Um, it was a fun episode. That felt like in like a lot of the parts of the episode. Uh, I should say a lot, but like there were parts of the episode that felt kind of flimsy, like Prime Directive being thrown right out the window, and yeah. like it being kind of hard to see the alien side because their punishment is like their their laws of governing are like so so weird and like nonsensical, where. Like it, it, it's hard to kind of like relate to their laws in relation to in relationship to them as our protagonists. It, it makes it hard to empathize with them as much. See, um, I didn't have that problem though. Like I, I'm the only one here on this show saying like, no, I don't think that their system is that bad. It's just weird. Mm. It's it's not how we would do it, but it's mm. what they do. I don't know. A, a mm-hmm. Mark, a, a body of government operating on RNG is maybe not the best. Well, well to be fair. It, God told them to do it. What are you going to yeah. do? Are you going to argue with God? <laughs> <That's true. laughs> I don't know. I, 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 Coming from their perspective, I think of, of just this is the way their society functions. And it does seem to function. Like it really, the, the so, planet, like I said, looks like a paradise, really. Uh, that that, that core concept, I think, I, I do like the idea of like that being a point of like conflict of just like our laws versus your laws and things not really matching up. But it, it's just like their 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 laws just seem like so extreme where everything is perfect until you do one thing wrong and then you randomly might be killed that that's like such a that's such a far reaching like you know it's insane it's insane yeah, yeah. it's very insane <laughs> but i i do i do empathize with them though with that's what they know like that's for probably hundreds of years that's how their society's been run so they're just like they don't know anything else sure sure uh- sure and they're very much like this. This has to be done. You you can't just commit a crime and not die. Like that's that's illegal. <laughs> you cannot right. do that. <laughs> so I, I get it. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I don't think it would necessarily work for us in our society. I'm not saying it would. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm but not a fascist. Edo, don't, you're don't not advocating me. this. I'm not advocating fascism, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think um, it makes sense for the Edo. Sure, sure, sure. I I know. I, I get what you're saying. So yeah, but yeah, that that was a fun episode. I thought like it, it seems like a proto script for what later Star Trek ends up being. It it absolutely is. Yeah, like I said, I think if this is the first episode that really feels like TNG to me. It feels like they actually had a whole episode written as opposed to some <laughs> of the earlier ones. As opposed hey. to an, an energy beam comes on board, and I don't know, some shit happens. Actually, yeah. I did read it on the on the Memory Alpha that this was the first script after the pilot that they did commission, uh, not commission, that they picked up, uh, but it was rewritten so many times that it was produced like 7th or 8th or something. Mm, so it's, it's, it was a heavily rewritten script, but they got there and it was it was pretty good. Probably uh, probably one of the top season one episodes, honestly, which uh, <laughs> good uh, news, there's still a lot of season one left. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, 
no, there's it's not so bad. It's not so bad. We're, we're past what? the really bad ones. You know, I said I was tired of the Ferengi uh, when I first saw them, but I'm thinking I'm ready for some more Ferengi. Oh, well, good news, Hayes. <gasps> the next episode is The Battle, episode nine, and we got some Ferengi in it. I'm so excited. This, and then we're so also- starting, starting from this point, this, this will be new episodes for me. So I'm really excited to, uh, to check them out. I'm excited for you to see them, too. And then after that, we have uh, the second Q episode, uh, Hide and Q, episode 10. We'll be talking oh my- about that. So oh next episode, God. we we uh, next week is Christmas, uh, so we will not be we will not be recording the podcast next weekend, but two weeks from now, we will see you in uh, 2022 with the battle episode nine and hide and cue episode ten. All so right. Tune in. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, email us if you have any questions or comments. Uh, beam me to sickbay at gmail.com. I haven't seen a single email in there yet, so if you've got any, send me send me emails. <laughs> I'll, I'll send I will, one. I will read them. Send me an email, Hayes. I'll read it. <laughs> Be me to sickbay at gmail.com. <laughs> Thank you so much, Big Freeze. Thank you so much, Hayes. Have a Merry Christmas. And uh, we'll see you all in 2022. Happy see holidays. You in the future. See you next year. Boy, boy.